Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A portion of the Bible it's my privilege to share with you is the gospel reading which you heard previously. As we begin together today, we should take note of the fact that on any given Sunday, at 8 o'clock in the morning, a very unique group of people gathers at, here at Mount Olive to worship. Every Sunday, the group's unique. What makes it unique is our differing worship patterns. Some of us are here every week. That's our pattern. Some of us are more sporadic because we're juggling the responsibilities in our life. But in any case, what happens on a Sunday morning is the group is always different from the previous week. Almost feels like an accident. So we begin our worship today and our study of God's Word. We need to recognize it's not an accident at all that you are here. The Lord himself planned for each one of us specifically to come here this morning. And the reason the Lord did that is because he's prepared a message from his word for each of our lives. It's a message about prayer. It's a message that's a simple admonition. The Lord says to us, always pray and do not give up. Always pray and do not give up. If you're like me, and I think you are, then already you're beginning to tell why God wants you here this morning, and he wants to talk to you and me. Because the people in this room, every one of us, has no difficulty at all remembering in the past when we prayed a prayer and God did not give us what we asked for. Some of us in this room have stood by people that we love and their bedside, and we prayed that the Lord would spare their life. And then we watched as the Lord took them to heaven anyway. Some of us have come to the Lord with prayers about our relationships, marriages that were falling apart, and we prayed with all our heart that God would fix what's wrong and repair our marriage. And then we watched as the marriage disintegrated. We've all had experiences when we prayed for gain and found loss instead. When we prayed for health and sickness showed up. When we prayed for success and found failure. It's the common prayer experience. As a result, it's no stretch to imagine that in this room today, right now, there are some of us gathered in God's house who are beginning to question the effectiveness of prayer. What good is it? Does it do anything? Does God even listen? It may even be that there are some here today who have given up entirely on prayer. It doesn't help at all, we think. The Lord knows. The Lord sees our doubts. He sees our fears. He sees our confusion. And he brings us to his house today with one simple admonition. No matter where you're at in the prayer continuum, always pray and do not ever give up. And to teach us a lesson, Jesus has created a little story, a prayer story. It's a simple story. It has only two characters. Jesus introduces the first character to us. In, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. Now note this judge's character. He doesn't care about anybody. The only thing important is himself. So when you come to his court, if you've got nothing to offer him, you'll get nothing from him. That's the rules. And that brings us to the second character in Jesus' story. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. This was a woman all alone. 
She had no money to bribe the judge. She had no powerful friends to speak to the judge on her behalf. She was by herself seeking justice. And you already know what she's going to get in that court when she's facing a judge who didn't care about anybody but himself. Jesus simply says, for some time, he refused. Now what happens next is where the prayer lesson begins. It lies beginning in the woman's action. She did not get the answer that she wanted. She's facing a judge that didn't care about her. She has no hope he's going to listen. So what does she do? She comes back again. She's there the next day. In the courtroom, Jesus says. And again, the judge dismisses the case, throws her out. The next day, she's there again. And the day after that, the day after that, the day after that, you get the picture. She's persistent. She's always coming, even though this judge doesn't care about her at all or what she cares about. What happens? Jesus says this. Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. In the face of a judge who didn't care at all about her, she was persistent. So persistent that in the end, he granted her request just to get her out of his courtroom. Now from that simple story, Jesus draws his prayer lesson. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. The lesson? Always pray. Never give up, just like the widow. What did you bring to God's house today? What kind of cares live in your heart? What things frighten you and keep you awake at night? What are you worried about every day? Always pray and never give up. Why? Because we're not praying to some uncaring judge. We're praying to our kind, loving, heavenly Father. This is a God who cares about us. We know that entering the church. We know it because the Bible tells us if God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Unlike that judge in Jesus' prayer story, we have a God who cares about us. And anytime we're tempted to doubt that, all we need to do is look at the front of the church and the cross that stands there to remind us. Ours is a God who loves us so much, he gave everything he had for us. A God like that isn't going to let us down now. A God like that isn't going to turn his back on you right now. This is a God who loves you. This is a God who's on your side. So Peter tells us, cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. But as soon as we hear that about our God, a question arises in our mind. Call it the first prayer stumbling block. You see, there's not a person in this room who would dispute the fact that God cares about us. The cross is living proof. No one can deny that. We have a God who gave everything for us. Of course he cares about us. But that's not the question. The question in our mind is this. Does God care about what we want? We know God cares about us, but how does he feel about the things we bring to his throne? Does he care about those things like we care about those things? And that question troubles our minds and sometimes gets in the way of our prayers. 
Part of the problem rises from some of the things the Bible says, like our epistle reading today. 1 John, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Did you notice a little phrase in there that gives you pause? It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Sometimes Christians stumble over that particular line, not understanding what Jesus is saying. It sounds to our ears, perhaps, like God is saying, okay, he'll answer your prayer, long as it's in keeping with his will. What matters is God's will, not what you want. God's going to do what he wants to do, and if your prayer happens to match that, then he'll answer your prayer. Sounds like. Therefore, God is only concerned about what he wants, not about you and me. So some Christians think that's what God is saying here, and it makes them doubt their prayers. Maybe you wrestled with that, rational, wrestled with that rationalization. Maybe you know that God is going to do what he wants to do, so what good does it do to pray? Maybe I don't need to pray at all. God's going to do what he wants anyhow. Those thoughts can destroy a prayer life, and they're not correct. God isn't saying the only thing that matters to him is his will, and your will doesn't matter at all. God is saying it's his will to care about what you want. They're combined. God's will is to do your will because he's your heavenly father. This God's on your side, and I can tell you today, this God cares deeply not just about you, but about the things that matter to you. Can I prove it? Look at the passage. You've heard it before. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Did you hear what he said? This is God talking. He doesn't say, ask, and if it's my will, I'll give it to you if I feel like it. He doesn't say, ask, and if I'm in the mood, you'll get what you want. He says, ask, and it will be given. Now, we already know from our prayer experience that God isn't saying he's a heavenly Santa Claus that's going to pour out everything you want all the time. That's not what he's telling us. But if that isn't it, then what is he saying? Ask, and it shall be given. What God is saying to you and to me is an expression of his will toward our prayers. God is telling us right up front before we even come to his throne, I care about what you want. I care so much about what you want that I want to give it to you. That's my go-to move, God says. That's his promise. We have a God who cares about us, and we have a God who deeply cares about what we want. And when we come with our prayers, we have a God who wants to give us that. One even stronger statement of that Check Mark 11. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Think about the things that you want right now. Think about the troubles that rile your heart. Think about the fears that keep you up at night. God wants to hear about them. God cares about them too. And God wants to grant you a request. That's the promise of God. We have a God who cares about us, we have a God who cares about what we want, and he's eager to give us what we're asking. There's just one question left in our minds. That has to do with the second prayer stumbling block. What kind of answer can we expect from God when we pray? Now, for me, that question was solved when I was 14. I went to confirmation class. 
my confirmation pastor stood in front of my class, all 14 of us at the time, and I remember him telling us very clearly, these are the answers you will get from God according to the Bible when you pray. First answer, you have a God who will give you what you're asking. Sometimes God says yes. And when I questioned when, he said, here's a story from the Bible. Remember King Hezekiah, my pastor said? King Hezekiah was told by the prophet Isaiah that he was going to die. And the prophet Isaiah is walking out of the palace after delivering the message. Hezekiah immediately went to the throne of God in prayer and said, God, spare my life. And God told Hezekiah, turn around, go back. I've heard his prayer. You go back and tell him he gets 15 more years of life. Sometimes when we pray, God says yes, according to my confirmation pastor. But then he said, next, sometimes God says no. We pray to God and God answers our prayer with a resounding no. And he then told me a Bible story. Uh, it was about the Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh, member, and he prayed to God. He said, God, this thing's getting in the way of the ministry. I could be a more effective minister and missionary. If you just get rid of this, take it away. And God said, my strength's all you need. My power's made perfect in your weakness. When you go with your flaw before people and present my word and they believe it, they're going to know I did it, God said. They're going to know you didn't do it. Made God's ministry better when God said no. So my pastor told me, God says yes sometimes, God says no sometimes. Oh, and there's one more, he said. Sometimes God says not yet. Another Bible story, right? He told me about Jesus' mother at the wedding of Cana. She came and said, son, they're out of wine. And what did Jesus say? My time has not yet come. And then a little later, he changed the water into wine. So sometimes you can expect that God will say to your prayer, not yet. Three answers my pastor gave me when I was 14. I was ready for a life of prayer. And I walked out into the world and walked along in the prayer experience, just like you do. And along the way, I filled my heart with the promises of God, and I experienced the ups and the downs of a prayer life, as we all do. And I learned that my pastor was correct when he said scripturally that God has three answers to prayer. But I also learned along the way that there's a more precise answer, an answer that's a shade more accurate than that. And that's simply this. I learned that God really has only two answers to a Christian's prayer. The first one, when we come before God and we ask him for what we want and it's something we really care about and we bring it to the throne of God and say, God, please, first answer God gives is what you asked. That's the one he wants to do. Ask and it shall be given, he says. You have a God who wants to grant you just what you're asking all the time and he wants you to know that. So when you come, you come with confidence. I'm praying to God and I know he's going to give me what I'm asking because it's best. In fact, there's only one circumstance under which God will not grant you what you're asking. Only one. What is that? When God has prepared something better. You see, God's smarter than you and me. He sees more than we see. He sees the present and he sees the future and he knows what's best. And while every time I come to God, I'm sure I'm asking for the thing that's best for me, sometimes God knows better. Sometimes God in his throne in heaven says, I have something better prepared to answer that prayer, and he gives me that instead. And so when I come and pray to God for something I want or need, I believe God will give it to me. And if he doesn't, he'll give me something even better. 
There are lots of Bible stories that show this in, in action. You heard about the Apostle Paul, of course, with the thorn in the flesh. Well, here's another one. Remember the snake prayer that the Israelites prayed? They were in the desert. They grumbled against God. God sent snakes as a um, punishment for them, and they repented. They came to God in prayer. The snakes were biting them and filling the camp. And remember what they prayed? They told God, God, we have too many snakes here. Can you take them away? Now, I would have prayed that too. I don't like snakes. If I have a lot of snakes all around me, that would be my prayer. God, it's time you remove them. They're a problem for my life. That's the best answer, so the Israelites thought, and I agree with them. But God didn't give them what they wanted. They said, God, we have too many snakes. Do you remember God's answer? It was this. Israel was one snake short. They don't have too many snakes. They don't have enough. They're still missing one. So God told Moses, you make a new snake. Make it out of bronze. Put it on a pole. Put it in the middle of the camp. And when the snakes bite the people, like they've been doing, they're continuing to bite, you have the people look to that bronze serpent and believe, I'm going to heal them and spare their life. In other words, exercise your faith when that snake is biting. A better answer. The Israelites were going to need a strong faith in this God, an absolute trust that this God would help them. They were entering the promised land, facing an enemy stronger than them. God had a better answer for them in their time of need. They needed more snakes. One more, so they could exercise their faith and be prepared for what lays ahead. So God has done with you and me. Told you we have examples of prayers that were unanswered. The better answer is those are prayers where God gave a better answer than the one we asked. But that for us creates a problem. You see, we're not always going to understand how this is a better answer. Sometimes... Sometimes it will seem to us that it's not possible, that God made a mistake, that this isn't right. We asked for less pain and more pain came. How can that be okay? And we struggle with that answer, and it challenges our prayer life. Now, God didn't bring you here today so some smart preacher could tell you, here's why he did whatever he did in your life. I don't know. I don't know any better than you know. But I do know this. There is going to come a day for me, and a day for you when we're going to stand in front of the throne of God. And when we do, I urge you to do what I'm going to do. Bring your list. I got a list. Whole questions. God, how is this a better answer? I'm going to bring it up. And God's going to answer me. He's going to show me his wisdom and show me the whole picture. And in the moment, I'll tear up my list like you will. And together, we'll bow our hearts and thank God for the answers that he gave. The best answers possible to every prayer we prayed. Either God gives us what we want or God gives us something better. To walk forward knowing that, we must bring our prayers to God in faith. And that's why Jesus concludes his little prayer story with this statement. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You see, if we're going to bring our prayers to God and if we're going to trust this God, we must come in faith. You have all kinds of prayers in your heart right now. God wants to hear them. But when you bring them, bring them on a foundation of the faith that God placed in your heart. Come before God knowing that you have a God who's on your side. He cares for you. He gave his son for you. Come before God with your request knowing that he cares as much about what you want as you do. And he's eager to grant your request. 
come before God with absolute confidence that either God will give you what you're asking or he'll give you something even better. When you and I learn to approach God with that kind of faith and exercise our prayers on that kind of foundation, then we'll find the admonition of Jesus Christ fits perfectly into our life. Always pray and do not give up. May that be the characterization of our prayer life until God calls us home. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. We hope that God's Word has strengthened your faith. To help us know more about the reach of our efforts here at Monov, we hope that you'll like and subscribe to our YouTube and Facebook pages, and that you also sign our online friendship register to let us know that you're listening today. God bless and keep you.